This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to the Midas Touch Podcast, special edition alert back by popular demand. We've been going through some of our favorite interviews here at Midas Touch since the beginning of the Midas Touch podcast. We did Scaramucci and Cohen. We had Beto O'Rourke and Tim Ryan. We had Rick Wilson and Miles Taylor. But on this Midas Touch podcast, probably my favorite kind of duo when you put it together like this, a family feud edition <laughs> of the Midas Touch That's podcast. So the family feud may simplify it a little bit, but you'll know what I mean in a second. We have Mary Trump on this episode in her January 19th, 2021 interview. And we have Curtis Ingraham from his August 16th, 2021 interview. And both Mary Trump and Curtis, incredibly courageous individuals within very, very difficult and complex family circumstances. Wow. You think your family's got complexities? Let's think about Mary Trump and Curtis Ingraham. Mary Trump, on the one hand, I'm just going to say it, of all the Midas Touch guests, my favorite guest, period, full Backs. stop. Facts. Facts. Prove me wrong. Facts. I can't prove you wrong, Ben. I'm speechless. I cannot prove you wrong. Mary Trump, such an incredible guest. We've now had her on the show multiple times, and every time she brings it, she brings the analysis, she brings the funny, and she really feels like kind of like a fourth Midas sibling at the end of the day. Like, I think we really vibe with Mary Trump, and if you have not gotten Mary Trump's book yet, please go out now and get it. Or I should say books, plural. Mary Trump is like the most prolific author on the planet, apparently, just releasing books left and right. Get all of her books. Get Too Much and Never Enough. Get The Reckoning. Mary has just the best insight out there, and we are so appreciative for her. We're so appreciative that she stepped up and is taking the fight to her uncle. Um, she's obviously now entangled in this lawsuit, and I think she was going to take her uncle's lunch money. Is that even like Ooh, a phrase? I don't know. Yeah, I'm going mean, to take your lunch money. That's definitely take a phrase. That this lunch. interview in particular with Mary is amazingly interesting and special because this was late January, only a few days after the insurrection happened. So it's fascinating to hear her insight on, on what the fuck went down. And oh, Jordy, just throwing out curses. And then yeah. we have... <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> just throwing out Loser. curses. And then we have Curtis Ingraham, and that interview was wild. We'll talk about that interview in a little bit after Mary Trump's and why it was, I think, a really important and groundbreaking interview. But talking about wild, how about the Wild Alaskan Company? I am loving the Wild better. Alaskan Company because if you like to cook, you know that flavorful meals start with high quality food and simple ingredients. And with Wild Alaskan Company, their seafood is frozen right after it's caught. They catch it and they freeze it for peak freshness so you could avoid the fuss of unhealthy sauces and over seasoning. You know, like when you go to a restaurant and they are pouring the sauces and the butter and stuff all over that food, it's because the fish isn't really very good. But with Wild Alaskan Company, you do not have to do that. Instead, all you need are a few simple ingredients. You got a delicious lunch or dinner for you 
or your whole family. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably sourced wild-caught seafood right to your door, and each shipment contains premium cuts of individually wrapped portions of delicious seafood that are ready to prepare, and they're easy to cook. You can choose from salmon, cod, halibut, and more, or a combination of them, and every month there are different specials to explore. With Wild Alaskan Seafood, it's how nature intended it to be always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. And you could adjust, pause, or cancel your membership at any time, and they offer 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. I personally love the halibut. I made an incredible halibut recently with breadcrumbs on it and a little bit of lemon, and it was uh, just delicious. Get your Wild Alaskan Company right now. Go get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash Midas, and that's Wild Alaskan with an N. That's A-L-A-S-K. Company dot com slash Midas and that's M-E-I-D-A-S and that's $15 off your first box. WildAlaskanCompany.com slash Midas. Make sure to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. And now, guys, I think let's go into Mary Trump. I'm excited to relive this Mary Trump interview from January 19th. What do you guys think? Let's, let's do, do it. it without further ado. The Mary Trump Midas Touch interview. Mary Trump, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. It's really good to be back at this really boring time in our history. Yeah, nothing's Speaking going of boring on, times, no, Mary no, Trump, your uncle attempted to run a coup of the United States of America during this transition period. Is that <laughs> I know you predicted the worst. You were on our, our prior podcast when we were on Sirius um, and you predicted based on his sociopathic behavior, based on your own your own studies that he would bring us to the brink. But what we saw January 6th with an actual full-fledged coup attempt, did you see that coming? You know, not not in its specific details, but I've been saying for a long time that uh, it's going to be as bad as we could imagine and worse. We should put absolutely nothing past him and that nothing for him would be off the table if it served the purpose of um, either overturning the results of the election or somehow changing the subject. So um, although it it depressed me, it kind of broke my heart to see, um, you know, what what he incited those uh, anti-American, anti-democratic people to do. I can't at all say that it surprised me. And what kind of struck me about it, too, is at his core, he has no substance other than me, 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 me. There's really no, at least as I see it, coherent ideology other than Donald Trump for Donald Trump's sake. And so I was just, it wasn't surprising when the people got into uh, the Capitol building, they, re they really didn't know what to do. Like there wasn't a yeah, coherent no message plan. other than just to, be anarchists and destroy things and look to kill people, but with no real messaging behind it. So in many ways, I felt that attack was very emblematic of, of Donald Trump, just an anarchist destroying things and just kind of cowardly and weird. I mean, what was your take on it? Yeah, and that's really interesting you say that because um, as I was watching, as it was just starting, you know, it, it was really difficult to wrap one's head around it because so many things were going wrong in real time. Right. It's like, what, 
Why are the police being overwhelmed so easily? Where's the National Guard? So it was hard to take it seriously because it seemed so easy for these people to get inside, right? And we could only see it from the outside for a while. And honestly, the first, one of the first things I thought was, this is so tawdry. Donald just demeans everything. And then when we found out later, you know, when we started getting details, now, of course, there were some very highly trained people there who didn't, did seem to know exactly what they yep. were doing. And we can't discount that. But for, you know, the horde that Donald uh, specifically was inciting, they were just there to break shit, you know, and well, desecrate everything. Um, and that was one of, in a weird way, um, you know, obviously the violence and the literal attempt to overthrow our government and by far the worst thing, they're, they're, some of them having the desire to murder our elected representatives. Um, but it was, uh, you know, one of the worst things in a way was just the disrespect, uh, the utter failure to understand what um, they were doing. And I don't mean that to take away responsibility at all. I want totally. them all to go to jail for a very long time but did their total failure to understand symbolism and, and the meaning of what they were doing. What do you think Donald thinks of these people? I mean, I, I read that one of the only things that he was actually upset about was that the people seemed low class, quote unquote, low class. Like out of all the things for him to be concerned about, he thinks, oh, they look dirty and low class. Like, do you think he actually cares about these people who are really, I mean, many who whom actually did give their lives to them, not necessarily their life life, but their livelihoods. I mean, some of these yeah. people were actually quite successful people. They were school psychologists. They were police officers. I mean, what's what's to make of that and, and Donald's actual relationship and thoughts on the attackers? Oh, he has nothing but contempt for them, except to the extent that their views to him. Uh, and this has always been one of one of the most fascinating things about um, his popularity among a certain group of people. Uh, he, as far as I can tell, he's never done anything really to make them think that he cares about them. Uh, so their willingness to believe that he does in the context of his just deep contempt for them is something that we're gonna to have to figure out along with the fact that white supremacy has infiltrated our schools, yeah. our military, our police departments. You know, we have we have our work cut out for us. That's that, I, I know it goes without saying, but we need to remember that. What do you think that going forward, uh, your uncle Donald Trump should be most scared about? There are numerous um, investigations taking place in numerous states um, from D.C. to New York to Georgia, number of civil lawsuits that once the veil of the presidency and the immunities attendant there too are removed, it's going to have to sit for depositions on sexual assault cases and, and other serious uh, cases. What do you, what do you think uh, he should be most afraid of? Um, probably what he is most afraid of is the loss of attention and the 
lack of relevance going forward. I mean, seriously, I don't want to hear him mentioned in the press unless it's in the context of his being a de defendant. Um, but what he should be most afraid of, one of the things he must be should should be most afraid of is my lawyer, Robbie Kaplan, who's not only handling my uh, lawsuit, but in my view, the much more important lawsuit uh, that's been brought by E.G. and Carol. Um, because, you know, mine's about money, which I obviously will bother him, but it doesn't prove anything about him we don't already know. He's a fraud, no kidding, he defrauded me, right? Her case, on the other hand, will show uh, once he is forced to give DNA and be deposed and stuff, that he's been lying about the fact that he's a serial rapist and sexual sexual assaulter. So I think it's between Robbie Kaplan and uh, the New York AGs who have probably been compiling information for decades and uh, have access to materials nobody else does. So anything about... Uh, other than obviously, you know, the uh, insurrection that took place, but this transition process in general, um, we're going to be speaking to a lawyer a little later on about the Transition Act of 1963 and how there were all these kind of informal things that we just took for granted. And we may need to have a new Transition Act because we saw how it could be used and abused. But Anything else in this process that kind of stands out to you, you know, and just says, you know, here's something that 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 needs to be changed. One thing for me was seeing lots of large law firms kind of step in as bad actors and finally become exposed, you know, so that was an, a unique thing. Anything else from your perspective that you said, wow, I, I never even knew this this existed, but I'm glad it was exposed. Um. You know, I never thought about the transition before in the in or what they call the interregnum, which is a weird term uh, to use, but that's what, how people refer to that 79 days. I never really thought about it because it never mattered. Uh, the transition needs to be reduced from 79 days to one, first of all. Secondly, um, I didn't realize, again, not because I wasn't paying attention, but because like January 6th, like who... It's totally ceremonial and ministerial. We never had to think about the certification of the Electoral College before. So um, I'd say things like being able to install loyalists at the last possible second at the upper, upper echelons in uh, government in order to hamstring the incoming administration and, and saddle them, I think it's called burrowing, and saddle them with government employees who can only be removed for cause, which makes it harder for the incoming administration to get its agenda uh, fulfilled. We really need to look very carefully at the pardon power. Um, and I think that, I don't know, I don't know if this is possible, but um, just how much power uh, the outgoing person still has, you know, in, in, in terms of um, access, continuing access to state secrets, continuing to be able to make appointments, actively interfering with the peaceful transfer of government, blocking the incoming administration 
from intelligence briefings, from uh, funds that are required in order for, I mean, it's insane. But basically all of those things, which we've never had to worry about before, have been just like so much else uh, during Donald's tenure, have been shown to be uh, weak because they depend upon tradition and decency. Now we need to codify everything, but the easiest way to avoid all of that is the elections on November, I think it was November 3rd. Yes. Uh, by, it got called on November 7th. Biden should have been in the White House on November 8th. Yeah, when you fire somebody at your job, you don't say, oh, why don't you stick around for another three months? Uh, you know, do whatever you want to the place. You pack their shit and you take them out. Like in what, in what world do we just let them sit there and, and wreak havoc on the place for months and months on end? Although I have to say we are getting a, a garden of statues. Yeah, which he yeah the Grover like, Cleveland Grover statute. Cleveland. Everyone's super excited yeah, for Grover. Which it seemed like I saw somebody say today that it seemed like he just picked names out of a hat. There was kind of no rhyme or reason to the uh, the people who he chose to be on the statue. I I am sick of it all. And yeah. you know, and you know, you have a lot of other family members though entangled in all this as well. Um, unfortunately, yeah. which is uh, the kids. And so now the rumor is, is that Ivanka Trump is out there. She's trying to rehabilitate her image so that she could rejoin society. Is she that much of a narcissist that she really believes <laughs> she'll ever be able to repair her image after going on a four plus year crime spree? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> um, Sorry, was that too complex an answer? No, that's uh, perf perfect. <laughs> no, listen, these people, I, I, I've come to the conclusion over the last four years, uh, in particular, because it's just, it's sort of like a, a national uh, disease. Arrogance makes you stupid. Um, these people are so arrogant, they don't understand uh, how things work. They don't understand that after sticking with him until the armed insurrection they don't get to say oh wait a minute it didn't work you know yeah a failed coup is still now. a coup yeah i mean it did work actually um in some ways so the only thing that worries me is that money is a great leveler and rich people i, I think are in a completely different like i think if you're rich, it doesn't matter if you're white or black or Jewish or Muslim or nothing, whatever. It just matters that you're rich if you're rich right. enough, you know? So um, I worry a bit that that they will be allowed back into uh, the high society that so matters to them. Um, but that's different from having a political future. Uh, and that's something that we need to make sure never happens. So do you think Ivanka has a political future? Do you think she's going, I mean, I think she'll try. Do you think she will successfully run for a seat, like a Senate seat in Florida, primary Marco Rubio? Uh, um, well, let's disgust. put it this way. <laughs> uh, the, I, one of the reasons I, I hate all of them so much is that we have to have these conversations about them, yep. which should be absurd. Like this should be, you know, um, this should be a joke. No, we're all in an alternate but, universe. That's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. So um, what I would say to that is it's entirely up to us. It's not just Donald. All of his adult children need to be shut out, contained. Um, they need to have all of their access stripped away from them. Um, 
it all needs to be burned down. They need to be, their, their brand needs to be totally destroyed even more than they've already destroyed it. Um, corporations need to pull out. New York City's trying to cancel its contract with the Trump organization. Um, they need to be uh, investigated. Um, Donnie, as far as I'm concerned, uh, should be indicted for inciting an insurrection. And um, all of them should be doing nothing but defending themselves against charges. Uh, so that's down to us. We can't forget it. Uh, Donald has shown just how uh, capable people like him who have his resources, who have his connections are uh, rehabilitating or staying in the game when they should have been uh, discarded a long time ago. And Mary, that's why we here at Midas Touch are, are you know, we're, we're keeping the heat on all the people who incited these insurrections. We're, we're going after Hawley and Cruz and Boebert, and we're going to continue to go after the Trumps if, you know, obviously not you. Um, <laughs> um, you know, we're going to go after the Trumps, Mary Trump. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, I, with your expertise as a psychologist, you know, your family aside, do you think there is a way to bring these ardent supporters back to reality? How do we deal with the QAnon crisis, this disinformation craze? Just how do we reel people into reality? Because even yesterday, I, I was walking around my block and uh, one of my Trump supporting neighbors, he actually just took down his flag a couple of weeks ago. It was a big victory moment for, for me to see that. But I heard him talking to somebody. Obviously, they were both not wearing masks at the time. And uh, he was saying, yeah, you know why the COVID numbers are so high here in L.A.? It's because they get $12,000 for every COVID death. Of course, they get 12000 And I'm like, where do they get these things from? Like, how do we solve this? Because how can we move forward and talk about real policy if they're living in an alternate universe? Yeah, that that is something that we need to um, grapple with, uh, like now. It's going to take a long time. But I look at uh, his supporters um, as belonging to three different groups. There's the 22 to 28 percent of them who always exist. You know, they've been around forever. They'll be around forever. But you know, one of the points of liberal democracy is to contain them. Uh, unfortunately, because they were represented by 100% of the federal government for two years, their ideas and their ideologies, such as they are, have metastasized. Uh, so then you have the people um, who are just your knee-jerk Republicans. They've, they don't pay that much attention. They're low-information voters. I'm a Republican. I've always been a Republican. We need divided government because they don't even know what that means, and they don't understand it doesn't work anymore. And that's it. Like They don't even think about it. I'm not worried about those people because as soon as Biden comes in, they're going to say, he's my president. I didn't vote for him, but that's the way it works. And then Biden is going to start doing stuff that's going to help people. And that's going to lower the temperature. It's the people in the middle I think we need to worry about. The people with authoritarian personalities, the people who are susceptible to things like QAnon and OANN and Newsmax, which, by the way, was made possible by Fox News. Mm -hmm. So we need serious regulation. Uh, the FCC has to start actually doing something, um, whether it's another version of the fairness doctrine or whatever. And they need to do the same thing with, com uh, you know, uh, companies like Facebook and Twitter, et cetera, because um, I don't know if it's the main reason, but one of the biggest reasons we're in this mess is because uh, these things have been unregulated and, um, 
you know, people have just had this stuff shoved down their throats or, you know, put directly into their veins for years now. It just seems like um, a hole that like once you kind of start interacting with content like that, you just get sucked in via the algorithms on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook. And next thing you know, you start following people who are kind of borderline and then it gets yeah. a little worse and then it gets yeah. a little worse. And sure enough, you're just in it. And I feel like the irony of it is a lot of these people who kind of get sucked into the QAnon and, and things like that are people who are downtrodden in life in, in some way. And it could be financial, but it could also be that they're outcasts from their families, that they you know lost the job, that they had a failure, there was a death in their family. They're filling some void with this. And they yeah. kind of get sucked into this notion that, oh, like there's this external force out there. We don't have to worry about it. There is a plan. Trump knows all, you know, let's put all of our faith in this. And then they just keep moving the goalposts nonstop. And they so villainize the other side, Joe Biden, Democrats, when the irony being that the policies that Joe Biden is planning on implementing will probably help the vast majority of these people more than anybody. So I think one of the ways that we could, you know, start breaking through is exactly what you said is once, once the more, once the less hardline people start kind of getting a sense that, oh, there are things being implemented that are helping my life. Maybe they'll break out of it. Maybe not. I think we, we have a long road to go, but we need to definitely take people back to reality. And Mary, what do you think in terms of the doing stuff? Look, any stuff is better than what we've had where there was no stuff. You know, the Donald Trump, I'm taking many meetings and doing many phone calls. That's the daily schedule every day. And that's my Donald Trump impression that people love. That's why we're the number. <laughs> Mary approved. Yeah, Mary approves I, my I, Donald I, Trump impression. I got impression, worried there for a second that Donald had somehow infiltrated. <laughs> That's what we thought last time that, yeah. that that's possible. So, so what stuff, I won't do the impression anymore. So what stuff are you looking forward to in the incoming Biden administration in the first 100 days? Well, from what, from what I've heard, he's doing a lot of it right away. Like I'm sure he's already prepared the executive orders. He just needs to sign them. Um, first of all, COVID, 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 uh, you know, get the defense protection act, going immediately. So we're, you know, continuing to not continuing. We're starting to uh, create more PPE, get fi fix the vaccine rollout, um, federal mandates for mask wearing, social distancing. Personally, I think he needs to shut the freaking government down for six weeks and pay people 85% of their salary to stay home. Um, so uh, that'll uh, be huge. But Things like getting us back in the uh, Paris Climate Accord, the JCPOA, as far as that's possible. And the reason I'm saying those things is because we need to reestablish our connection to yeah. our allies uh, quickly. And I, I mean, that may not necessarily matter to, to a lot of people in the country, but um, I think just having our reputation, kind of our very bruised reputation, rehabilitated a little bit, um, will have some ancillary benefits. But in terms of things more direct, um, fixing the problem at the border, people can't be allowed to think that that's okay. Giving the dreamers citizenship, for example. And again, these things don't affect Donald's base and they obviously support those things, but we need to start modeling behavior that helps them understand that, you know, cruelty is not a governing principle that works. 
Okay. Uh, it just destroys us. And I think between those things and holding all of these people accountable and, you know, just to take a step back, um, one of the main reasons we've gotten to this point is because we've never held people accountable ever in our history. Robert E. Lee was allowed to be re rehabilitated. The man who betrayed his country, fought a war against his country that killed 650,000 Americans, all so that he and other white men could maintain the privilege of torturing and murdering black people. He was a president of a university, he has universities named after him, he has statues all over the place. That's why. So we need to make it clear that that's not acceptable. None of this is acceptable. If you're an American, if you're an enemy of this country, you are going to be indicted, convicted, and imprisoned for a very, very, very long time. Um, and I think, you know, that'll make people sit up and take notice. Meanwhile, um, the economy is going to get better because COVID is going to be handled the way it should have been handled before 400,000 of us died unnecessarily. Yep. Um, sorry. Sorry. I could go on and on. Mary, has anybody ever done in an interview with any of the shows you've done and you've been incredible? Has anyone ever done a Donald Trump impression <laughs> and asking the questions to you the way I just did? <laughs> Never. There we go. Jordy, do you want to ask a closing question? Yeah, I started off at the beginning of the show telling everyone I asked great questions. Now Ben's going to try. <laughs> to like, Mary, if you have one where, second. Where's the guy who's only person who agrees with me that Donnie's the stupidest one? Yes, okay, so well, that's here. exactly the question. So the question is, over the summer, we had a great chance to catch up. And you told everyone that you thought Donnie, Don Jr., is, is Donald Trump's dumbest child. Now, six months later, are we still sticking with that answer? Yeah, and the beauty of it is not only is he the stupidest one, he's also the one who incited an armed insurrection and may actually go to jail. What Let's hope so. Let's hope. He yeah, stupidity incubates the evidence which will seal the fate of the rest of your family members that Brett Micellis wants to destroy. Brett is keen on destroying the Trumps. Mary Trump. God. <laughs> other than you. Not you, Mary. So much. It's the other Thank one. The so bad much. one. Thank you, Mary. Mary, Midas, that show. Mary Trump, appreciate everything you've done Love for the you, past Mary. four years. Um, your book was incredible. Um, and all of your insight, you know, has been both great prescient, spot on. And thanks for supporting uh, Midas Touch. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I love talking to you guys. I just want to say thank I, you. You actually brought me out of the deep depression I was in before I got on with you. I love talking to you. I love your work. Keep at it. Uh, we have a long road ahead of us. Anytime you need me to help, I'm here. Thank you so thank much. You. We, we love you, Mary. Stay strong thanks, out there. Thanks, guys. Right back at you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast family feud edition, or perhaps the less catchy phrase, the family members who spoke truth to power and exposed corruption. Not as pithy, not as pithy. Definitely doesn't work as well on a title, but accurate. Yeah, I don't know if there's an acronym for that, but probably <laughs> not. Let's just stick with the family feud edition. Now, the next interview with Curtis Ingraham is really, I would say, was probably the biggest surprise interview on the Midas Touch podcast because I really don't know what to expect. You know, Curtis Ingraham had been very outspoken um, on Twitter about his sister, Laura Ingraham, Ingraham or Ingram is how that's the big thing. I feel like I feel like some people we, don't even know who we're about to have on because most people pronounce her name Laura Ingram. But as you'll Ingraham. find out, it's Ingraham. 
It's actually Ingraham, as Curtis told us. And I think it was actually one of Curtis's first interviews in front of, you know, a large audience. Um, And he was so genuine. He was so honest, so smart and really hit a nerve. I think with our audience, with our watchers, with our listeners who really connected and you know, I don't think everybody necessarily knew the backstory between him and Laura, Laura's upbringing. Um, and I won't give away any of the juicy details from the interview because the interview is nuts. Am I right, Brett and Jordy? <laughs> then you're right. Good transition. Good transition. Great, great transition because this is the perfect time to tell you guys that I found an incredible website that you and all Midas Touch listeners have to check out. And that is nuts.com. Nuts.com is the best kept secret of savvy snackers across the country. There are a bunch of high quality, delicious snacks available like white chocolate, toffee, cashews, bourbon pecans or pecans, depending on where you're from, crystallized ginger and honey sesame sticks. But nuts.com, let's not get it twisted. It's not just for nut lovers. It's your one-stop online pantry shop for really just about everything that you would ever want in your pantry. So you could get candies, for example. You could get dried fruits. You could get baking mixes. You could get pastas and so much more. I personally, I'm a sucker for chocolate. I love anything that's dipped in white chocolate. They have plenty of those. I love the dried fruit. Oh, I love the dried strawberries. I put them right by my desk every single day. I eat the entire package. I cannot get enough of them. It is the simple and convenient way to have nutritious delicious, healthy nuts, dried fruit, flowers, grains, and so many other high quality foods. And they're delivered straight to your door. What could be better? And there are over 4,000. Yep, I said that right, 4,000 products to choose from. Like I said, everything you could ever want in your pantry. Delicious, healthy, kid family friendly snacks like dried strawberries. My favorite, I like how my favorite is the fa- the kid friendly one, is <laughs> the dried strawberries. you're a child. Because I guess I am, yeah. And the custom trail mix is also just so incredible. Plus all the raw, organic, roasted, salted, and candy nuts you could ever imagine, even chocolate dipped also my favorite. The easy to navigate website has great photos of all the products so you know exactly what you're getting. And it's a family run business just like Midas Touch over here. So they take pride in getting you the freshest quality product possible. Nuts.com is your one-stop online pantry shop for baking items, smoothies, item for smoothies, rolled oats, beans, and more. Gluten-free, vegan options, and delivery is fast and most orders ship in the same day and they are fresher products in the supermarket. So here's what you do. Right now, take out your phones. If you're listening to this on your phone, open up your text message app. Go, newnuts.com customers. Get free shipping on your first order when you text TOUCH, that's T-O-U-C-H, to 64,000. That's right, text TOUCH, T-O-U-C-H, to 64,000, 64,000, and get free shipping on your first order from nuts.com. That's TOUCH to 64,000. Terms apply, and you could read those at nuts.com slash terms. And now let's take a listen to our interview with Kurt. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Ingram. 
We are joined by Curtis Ingraham, former Wall Street banker turned educator, seeker of justice, accountability and honesty and sibling fact checker of. Can I call her a fascist, hateful person, uh, Curtis? Well, I'll let actions speak for themselves. So I'll let you go ahead. With that. <laughs> Sibling fact checker of Laura Ingraham, his sister, he states, I have hypocrisy in my sights. And so as a sibling podcast, we're pleased to welcome Curtis Ingraham on the show. Curtis, welcome. Thank you so much for reaching out, folks. So, Curtis, for the past four years, you've been very vocal online and speaking out against the, you know, as you say, her actions speak for themselves. What made you first start speaking out and say, you know what, I can't be on the sidelines anymore. I, I have to say something here. Yeah, no. So the, the history with my sister, we were very, very close at one time. Um, we would travel together. We would visit on the holidays. It was the type of thing where I would finish her sentences on a daily call. And she'd when was that? Time. How old were you this then? This was in the 90s. This was in the mid 90s. And what happened was uh, the, the relationship started to fray. Uh, when she took a stand against gay marriage. And so she had experienced uh, my partner's, uh, my relationship with my partner of 12 years, who I ushered to death's door. And so when gay marriage came up, she took a stance of, no, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this. And so I kind of pulled back a little bit from her. But then later on, I was uh, online uh, and I saw a blog of uh, something that she had done while she was at Dartmouth. So she was the editor of the Dartmouth Review, which is a conservative rag paper, she and Dinesh D'Souza. And it was uh, before technology, so there were no you know, phones, cell phones, or you know, computers. But she sent her reporters in undercover and they took the names of the people that were in that gay alliance meeting and they published them in the paper. And in this blog that I read, it said that one kid actually committed suicide. Now, I, don't, I can't verify that, but when I saw that, I sent her an email and I said, Laura, is this true? And she wrote back, it was, it was legal language. I do not respond to blah, blah, blah. And so in my heart, I knew she was probably, she's guilty. And so that's when I really pulled away. And it was, of course, when uh, she went full-blown Trump, you know, in 2016, that I could not uh, stay quiet any longer. And I'm just kind of calling out hypocrisy as I see it her statements, her meanness, the way she's smearing people. I mean, you look, it all started with LeBron James, you know, taking the knee and her saying to him, just shut up and dribble. I mean, I don't understand that type of person that attacks like this. And my sister, what I've learned is she is one who doesn't listen to understand. Hers is she listens to attack and you can see it in her face. You can see it when she's talking to people on her show. There is no debate. There is no constructive debate. And what's scary is that it's escalating and you've become more outspoken about this because her stance on COVID, attacking Dr. Fauci, you know, now it went from, as you stated, a, and, and this is, the Nazi creed, right? First they came for so-and-so, then they came for so-and-so, then they, and then they came for me. And so first it was athletes and particularly black athletes, right? And then she starts attacking David Hogue, 
David Hope, who didn't get into a school that he wanted to get into. And so she smears a Parkland High School survivor, Greta Thunberg, trying to, you know, make the world aware of climate change and the disasters that are now, you know, befalling us, attacking her. And the, and the worst was recently when she's attacking those Capitol Police that testified uh, to Congress and saying that they were actors and that they get an award for good acting. I mean, who does this? Who does this? What is the pathology? And Curtis, you you tell me, I mean, was there roots of the pathology growing up? Like you mentioned before that, you know, that your father, her father had Nazi sympathizing leanings. And so there was that there. What do you think the pathology is? So I think the pathology comes from familial soil. And I've used that term in the past. So my father was a Nazi sympathizer. Uh, there was a copy of Mein Kampf on the living room bookshelf. Uh, he was abusive. He was an alcoholic. So we are in a we are in a in, in a family of anger, anger, abuse, and I think that is what has happened to my sister. People say, "Well, how did you turn out so different?" So in my life, I found love, and my sister has not found love, and so she's gone on this path where she's being honored and rewarded for the type of um, uh, things that we learned in our childhood. She's getting credit for that anger and that destruction. There's no solutions being put forward. It's all just criticism and smearing. It's very Trumpian. She and Trump have a mindset, I think that's very similar. And preaching to the same choir and growing that same cult of Fox News, red hat wearing hateful people. And you've said, you said, my, this is a tweet. My sister is pathetic, criticizing Dr. Fauci. She has and no expertise. This is what I'm <laughs> saying. But people listen to her and they think, oh my God, she is the pillar of truth. She knows her facts. She does not. She is spinning. So she's a spin artist. And so these people, it's easy to buy into her spin because anger is easier than you know constructive solutions. And Curtis, one of the things that is just so mind-boggling, we talked about it earlier in the interview, is this whole anti-vaxxing movement that like your sister is leading. I mean, they're anti-mask and anti-vaxxing. It's like promoting the most disgusting, filthy, uh, disease-ridden country. What's up with that? So the thing that really upsets me now with the data that we've got, and we're seeing hospitals fill up and people that aren't vaccinated and, you know, being intubated and, and some dying, there is no plausible reason right now why anyone should not be vaccinated. There, there is this total disregard for the collective good of our country. And there is, I think, an element of people that want to maintain the divide. And so by maintaining a divide, they keep us from getting back to normal. So when they say I have freedom of choice, well, if you're on a plane, do you have freedom of choice to open the door mid-flight? No. Okay, so you think of the collective good. And that is what's happening right now. And the anti-vax messaging from Fox and how they tried to roll it back a little bit, it was Hannity that tried to roll it back and right. say get vaccinated. Your damage has been done. And so when you think about all the, you know, the people that are receiving that information, they are making life decisions that could actually cost them their lives. I liken it to a cancer patient. So a cancer patient will take any therapy that comes their way, any experimental therapy. And yet here we have COVID-19 proven treatments, proven protection, and they choose not to. So what is really going on there? I do think there's a political element to it. It's beyond, and it's not even... There's nothing conservative 
about that position. Like, I don't believe your sister's conservative. Honestly, I believe your sister is a fucking crazy person who hates who who wants to lead a death cult to enrich herself. If you're conservative, you don't support insurrections. Right. You don't support in disinformation about medical facts. This it's not conservative one bit. No, no, it's actually dangerous. And so your role, do you see yourself being more outspoken in this area now in the future? Or where do you see this all going as as she escalates? So I, I cannot stay quiet. And there is, you know, we have um, we have history in common and I know things, you know, about her um, that uh, it's she, I mean, it's just I, I have to reveal the hypocrisy that's going on, the immigration stance. She's got three immigrant children that she adopted. So how does how how is that allowed? The uh, the vaccination anti messaging around vaccines. She's been vaccinated. You know they have. Murdoch got early access to the vaccinations. All his star assets were vaccinated, and yet they're spinning an, a, a counter tale, which I find is very destructive, and it's uh, it's it's disinformation. And it's a spin that people are following. And those tropes that she throws out, the elites, the fake news, the biomedical state, um, socialism. And these people tap into those because she's so clever at spinning it. Do you think she, you know, kind of knows she is creating this fiction? Like, do you think she goes and it's like, oh, how could I? Oh, I got a good one here. We call it biomedical, you know, and then she's like, God, do like, you think it's that, um, you know, planned out? I do. I do. She she has a conscience. And unfortunately, that conscience is getting dimmer and dimmer as she as she goes further in her career. Um, but the type of behavior to continue to do what you know is wrong and inherently a lie, I think, isn't that isn't that the definition of sociopath? I think it is the textbook definition of of sociopath. Was she always a contrarian growing up, like in terms of just anything like, you know, everybody likes ice cream. Was she like, fuck ice cream? You know, <laughs> like, <was> she... <laughs> she's so she can be very funny. But now that the humor has been, you know, turned in a way that's a little twisted. So and it hasn't it has a kind of a, an evil destination to it. So. Um, no, she, there was always kind of a mean spiritness to her, I have to admit. And she, she's very much an opportunist. She would say she's an expert on gay rights because her brother's gay. She would say she's an expert on being a mother because she has three adopted children. Uh, the Catholicism, the cross around the neck, those are all just shields that are, right. you know, kind of giving a, an illusion of who she would like to be, but who she really is not. And Curtis, your answer could be all, all the above, but is she doing this for money for power. I think she's following her pocket. It's fattening her pocket and she's got a huge following. And so who's going to who's going to disrupt that? Curtis, what, what are you up to these days, you know, in, in your personal life, uh, other than, you know, being a sibling fact checker that you'd like people to know about? So I, I, I left finance in order to go into teaching because when my partner died, I was looking at life and going, I'm on the wrong path here. And so I've been teaching now for about 25 years and uh, I teach middle school math and I'm in a community of people that are very supportive. And to get back to an earlier question, how did I get involved uh, in, in, in speaking out against my sister? She actually brought me into her ring of fire here at school because everyone is aware at my school. It's a very progressive school, a mm -hmm. uh, private school in Marin County. And so people are coming up to me saying these things that my sister has said. How could I not react? How, 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 how could I stay silent? 
And the whistleblower comes at a great cost, guys. I got to be honest. I have, my family has disowned me. I have one cousin who I'm still in touch with. Uh, but that was, that was the cost of going out with honesty. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's honestly so brave of you to speak up knowing just what some of the ramifications could and, and, and would have been. And I also have to say, there has been no attempt from my sister to reach out to me to discuss these things because she'd have to face truth and facts that she's just uh, not able to do. Kind of on that note, um, shifting gears slightly. So we've had Mary Trump on the show before. She's Uh fantastic. She's very outspoken against, you know, that side of the family. She actually let us know that Don Jr. is the dumbest Trump in the Trump family. (laughs) Curtis, if forced to, you know, who's going to have the most awkward family reunion? Is it, is it <laughs> Curtis Ingraham and Laura? Is it Mary Trump, Don Jr. and that side of the family? Or is it uh, Paul Gosar and his family? <laughs> We're all kind of in similar boats, aren't we? With different sales. I don't, it's funny, I don't see those reunions ever happening because these people can never come, they can never face um, the truth. And they are all kind of uh, leading their lives. And it's, it's, it's what identifies them now. So people always ask me, does your sister really believe this stuff? And it's who she's become. So she's become the industry um, that she's been working so hard to become. And I don't think that will ever change. Curtis Ingram, we appreciate your time and your courage. Thank you for joining us today on the Midas Touch podcast. We hope you'll come back. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast, great interviews on the Family Feud edition. We have Mary Trump. We had Curtis Ingram, two of my favorite interviews. You know, I really enjoyed this special, about four-part series uh, of the Midas Touch special edition. I'm going to miss podcast. it. I'm not going to lie. I'm excited to get back into the regular swing of things and bring you the Midas Touch podcast that everyone knows and loves. But this was really special. And I want to thank the Midas Mighty for suggesting this. And I hope all of you got a broader sense of the Midas Touch podcast and got to hear some things or at least were reminded of things that we heard in the past from all these incredible guests. And when I look back on our guest list, uh, Jordy, it's it's so incredible. I mean, we're so honored to have just such incredible people come on the show every single week. One of more. the things that uh, I think I want to conclude with here, one of my favorite initiatives that we did in Jordy, I'd love to hear you kind of talk about it, is the holiday cards that we did and why we did the holiday cards and why we think it was an important initiative to do and why we hope to do it again in the future. But Jordy, tell us about the holiday cards. Yeah, we sent these holiday cards out last holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, uh, to everyone and anyone who, Kwanzaa, all of them, all the above. Any holiday you celebrate? Any holiday you celebrate. Uh, Over the holiday season to everyone and anyone. Festivus, yeah. Uh, You're just going to keep naming holidays and I'm just going to (laughs) keep saying yes, or can I talk about the card for a second? Sorry, talk about the card. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, Because it means a lot, seriously. Uh, We sent this card out to all of our donors, anyone who helped Midas Touch, helped the movement, helped the cause um, just over the holidays because we really mean it that this community is a family. The Midas Mighty, we are so grateful. Every single day we wake up and we want to do better because of you, because we see you out there burning with the passion. We see you out there fighting for our democracy. And that's who we are. We're unapologetically pro-democracy. And at the end of the day, we're a big family who fights because we know what's at stake. So. That's the backstory behind the cards. And I love you, Midas Mighty. Thank you. There you have it. The holiday cards were among my favorite initiatives for all the reasons that Jordy said. And it's important that, as we've always said before, to have the 
personal connection with everybody who listens to this podcast, who interacts with our social media handles, who talks with us to let you know we appreciate you. We appreciate all of our donors, everyone who goes to MidasTouch.com and gives a donation. Anyone who separately goes through, goes to the Midas Touch uh, merch store um, and purchases Midas Touch merch. We have so many cool Midas Touch merch there from sweatshirts to Fall collection out now. Check it out. Fall collection. The fall collection is just uh, incredible. So check out the Midas Touch merch store. And even if you haven't gotten merch or you haven't given a donation or, you know, the fact that you're listening to this podcast, you're watching this podcast in and of itself is a gesture that we so greatly appreciate. Any retweet, any comment, spreading the message, sharing our videos. This is a fight for the heart and soul of our democracy. And we completely understand and totally respect that there are difficult financial times right now. And there's ways above and beyond supporting pro-democracy beyond a donation or beyond a purchase of something. And that is at its core, truly fighting. That's probably the most important thing that you can do is fighting for our democracy each and every day. And you don't have to start a movement from your various apartments like the Midas Touch Brothers did. Um, You can just start by calling one person, calling two people, calling 10 people, calling 100 people, um, reaching out to your next door neighbor, registering a family member to vote, uh, talking to family members, friends, coworkers about the importance of pro-democracy, about what's at stake, um, sharing truthful data. And so that at the end of the day is what this is all about. And we hope that we can empower you through those means. Brett, before we pass it to Jordy, any final words from you? Yeah, just on, on what you were saying, a piggyback off what you're saying is so so often, uh, you know, as we watch the news and as we scroll through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and whatever other whatever else you use, you get caught up in the horse race of it all. You know, who's winning, who's losing. Oh, that was a big win for Democrats. That was a big loss for Democrats. Oh, the Republicans are getting destroyed here, et cetera. But let's all just always remember that politics is supposed to be about helping people. Politics is supposed to be about uplifting others. So let's all do our part to uplift others. Let's do our part to spread kindness into the world and to, you know, the golden rule uh, to end this gold mine episode. Do unto others as you would want others to do unto you. And let's all win together. And when I say win, I mean, let's all succeed together. Let's all prosper together. Let's all enjoy our families together. You know, that's what happiness is all about. And that's what we all want in this country. So without further ado, thank you so much for listening to these special episodes of the Midas Touch podcast. Such an honor to do this. Thank you again, the Midas Mighty, for this idea. I loved it. I'm going to miss it. But we're excited to get back to your regular Midas Touch podcast programming in the next episode. And I'll let Jordy Man take us out. Shout out to the Midas Mighty!